All right, so I am joined by a new friend uh, from uh, the FFSN family, Hershey over at Crew Talk. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Brian? I am doing well, thank you. Um, so I, I presume you watched some uh, some Brewers baseball this weekend. Oh yeah, especially today we had a we had a great game. Uh, we scored nine runs. It was uh, it was great to see the bats get going after we got uh, shut out in the in the opener. Yeah. Um, Overall, you know, before we get into the, the series we just saw, like, what was your um, what was your sense of the Brew Crew coming into this year? Were you were you feeling relatively confident about the Brewers? Um, I, you know, I was feeling confident that the Brewers would be in the race, sort of like with the Cardinals um, for like the division. I do think the Cardinals are probably a more complete team overall, but. I thought the Brewers could give them a push, you know, late in the year, still be competing for something, not just not just be like a pushover team. Yeah, I, I think it's it's amazing to look at the standings. Obviously, the standings the first week of the season mean nothing, but this may be the only time all season that the Reds are in first place <laughs> in the uh, National League Central. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, that's that's pretty true. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about uh, sort of where each of these teams come in. You know, the Mets come to Milwaukee tomorrow for the Milwaukee uh, home opener, and they'll play a three-game series with the Brewers before heading to New York for their home opener against the Marlins, who they took three or four from this weekend. Um, but, you know, so uh, the Brewers played the Cubs this weekend. Generally, how do you think the team looked, you know, across the three games? Um you know, I think we looked good. I think we looked young, and that was a good thing. Um, I saw a lot of the young guys that were the buzz of spring training just because of, like, their youth and the the longevity that they've been in our system for, especially our two young outfielders and our young second baseman, who used to be a shortstop but is now a second baseman. Um, don't love that we lost Urias for, like, six weeks. After the opener, he was supposed to be like a pretty instrumental part of our middle infield. But um, Bryce Terang looks like he can he can step up as a young rookie. So, yeah, I'm yeah, that, it. it's always important to have depth at any level, but especially when you lose someone early on in the season. Like the Mets lost two starting pitchers in spring training, yeah, and the, and their closer in spring training. So you know, it is it is always interesting. To, to see how teams, uh, you know, get, come back from that. And the really good teams will come back from that. You know, they will find a way to uh, to make that work for them. Um, I want to talk about Christian Yelich for a second with you. So he actually was brought up today on the Mets broadcast. They were talking about how Yelich had a couple of, you know, phenomenal seasons and then has had good seasons since then, but probably doesn't look like the player the Brewers thought they were getting when they signed him to a long-term deal. What are your thoughts about about him at, in this sort of latter half of his career? Yeah, I mean, I think most Brewers fans, including me, would would agree that Yelich's best days are behind him, especially after multiple bad injuries, and especially the one where he broke his kneecap. He, was, he never could mm-hmm. really get elevation on the ball like he used to and hit home runs like he used to. But, I mean, as long as Yelich can be, like, still a productive offensive player and he's still a solid fielder even without a great arm in the outfield, 
I mean, he's a guy who could hit maybe like 250 with like 20 home runs and be a good veteran going forward. I mean, it's not great that we're paying him like 17 plus million dollars a year as right. to be like to be like a solid veteran. But yeah, do you I, think that do you think that 20 home run 250 threshold seems realistic? Yeah, it's definitely realistic. It's just not what they paid for. Yeah, and I think that for a lot of teams, that's that's the pill you have to swallow, especially if it's somebody who's important to the franchise. You know, I know Yelich did not get his start as a Brewer, but he's been an important member of that franchise for the last number of years. So I think fans are more willing to pay that to overpay for that guy than they are to overpay for a new free agent who doesn't deliver. Definitely. And Yelich is like a fan favorite. Like he, he's like a good part of the community. I mean, when you go to American family field, you, the majority of the jerseys are Yelich jerseys. So mm-hmm. I mean, people love him, even though he's not as great as he used to be. Sure. Now, who is your, um, your pick for a player that maybe isn't a huge name nationally right now? but someone that could really impress with the Brewers this year, maybe be a national figure come the all-star break or maybe the you know, end of the season. Yeah. One guy I'm super high on is the brother of a, of an extremely nationally known player. And that would be William Contreras, brother of Wilson mm-hmm. Contreras. Mm-hmm. Um, so far this year. And then in that second game, he hit a really clutch single that brought home two runs in the eighth inning. Um, that was a game-winning play. Uh, I'm pretty sure last year he hit like 278 with like 20 home runs and like 90 games with the Braves. And the Brewers made a big trade this offseason bringing him in. And I, I really do think that he could be an all-star catcher going forward for us. Now, I mean, obviously, anytime you can get a catcher that can hit, that is something you want to – hold on to tight because that is such a rare commodity in baseball is a catcher who can hit. Do you think that his, his catching is equal to his brothers or, or, or is he more of an offensive player uh, and less a defensive player? Yeah. So the Brewers, I mean, the Brewers do an interesting platoon with our catcher because we have Caratini who we got from the Padres and he's a mm-hmm. very, very good defensive catcher who can also hit, but not as well as Contreras. So, I mean, I think it's, it's clear that Contreras' offense is definitely better than his defense, um, and that's why Caratini plays like a, a pretty solid amount for a backup catcher. Mm-hmm. I have a catching question for you. Oh, sure. Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, how do you like former brewer Omar Narvaez? Well, it's it, it's it's early, right? It's, it's a little bit early to make a comment about Narvaez right now. Uh, it was a weird move because the Mets, the Mets backup catcher, uh, Tomas Nito, is probably one of the two or three best defensive catchers in baseball. He's a defensive specialist, and he's really good. And the pitchers love throwing to him, and so he's obviously going to have a role in the team. Then the Mets have the consensus top five prospect in baseball, uh, Francisco Alvarez, uh, waiting in the offing to be their starting catcher. But they signed Narvaez to a two-year, to a one-year deal with a two with a second-year player option, and so that's essentially signing him to a two-year deal. So I don't understand exactly if if they think that that all of baseball is wrong about Alvarez, or if they feel that he needs another year. But Narvaez wouldn't sign a one-year deal without the option, so they felt like 
we'll eat the option and we'll trade him or we'll trade Nito. I don't really know. So I, the fan base is not really a fan of Narvaez yet. However, he had a big hit on opening day. He's looked good with the pitching staff so far. You know, um, it's it's a, it's a little early to say. You know, he he did not catch uh, Kodai Senga today, um, which was. I think that will be a big test for both catchers is to work with a player who's both never pitched in the States before and also for whom English is certainly not his first language. So that will be a, a or even Spanish. You know, most ball players have a working knowledge of Spanish because of the amount of Latino players in the game. Um, so I think that will be a big test for him. Personally, if you, if you take the move in a vacuum, you don't think about Alvarez and the minors. I think it's a good move. I, I think there are so few catchers that have actual offensive potential that when you get a guy who has had some offensive success, you can kind of get excited about what that could mean. But I mean, you tell me one year, he seemed to be quite the hitter and the next year. He seemed to not be able to hit anything. What, what is the real Narvaez? I mean, from what I remember him being was a very good contact hitter who didn't hit a lot of home runs and who could get on base, but was not very fast. <laughs> and solid at defense. Okay. Well, I mean, I think he's above average, but I don't think he's like anything special. I yeah. I uh, did think it was interesting, though, that the Mets picked him up. You know, I think the Mets are kind of operating in that, um, like, early 2000s George Steinbrenner Yankees mode, where, like, if they want somebody, they don't care if they have to overpay for him because Steve Cohen has enough money, they'll just eat the money in the future, right? So... Part of me thinks that this move isn't – it wasn't about Alvarez at all. It was just they wanted they wanted this player, and they were going to do whatever they had to do to get him. Yeah. And that works when you have, you know, millions of dollars to, uh, to throw around for nothing, which is a new situation for the Mets and is not the situation for a lot of uh, teams in baseball, obviously. Just an interesting player to, to hone in on as a franchise. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the the big thing was I think they needed to find somebody who they could start in case Alvarez had a rough spring, and Alvarez did have a rough offensive spring, uh, and they needed to get rid of James McCann. James McCann was it was a terrible free agent signing. It, it it was somebody who I mean people just hated McCann. You know, he was just he was not well received, and nothing. He seems like a good dude, like, but he just did not perform as a Met. So I think they felt like they really had to. They really had to do something to get rid of McCann. And so I guess this was part of that plan, but it is, it is a strange move. Um, so let's talk about the three pitching matchups that we're getting. Uh, so tomorrow uh, for the first game of the season, we, a series rather we have Carlos Carrasco going for the Mets and Freddie Peralta going for the uh, Brewers. Uh, what do you think of Peralta as a, uh, as a starter in his, uh, what is this now? His fourth year in the big, something like that. I think, I think he's been in the, and the big's longer than that. Is it longer than that? Yeah. Time is abandoned. I never know how long people have been in the league for. I'm also I'm of a certain age now where I feel like everyone's still new because uh, like, I'm older than most of the players in baseball. So I think Freddie started popping up around 2018, 2019, or uh, okay. 17, maybe okay. maybe even earlier than that. They used to call him Fastball Freddie, and he came out of the bullpen. Oh, I, I remember that. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, so what do you think of Peralta as a starting pitcher in 2023? What I was surprised to see was that he was listed as our number four starter coming in because they pitched Lauer today. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was under the impression that Freddy Peralta was our third best pitcher. And I still think he has fringe all-star potential. I mean, he he's had great years in the past. And as a, as a three or a four, I think he's elite. I think that that sounds about right. You know, um, is it the Mets have Carlos Carrasco going tomorrow? Uh, Carrasco was, uh, he had a much better 2022 than he had 2021. He was hurt most of the year for the Mets in 2021. Um, he was pretty consistent last year. They did this weird thing this spring, though, where he missed the start due to, quote, elbow maintenance. And no one quite knows what that means. <laughs> um, and apparently he did the same thing last year too there was a, a, a missed start for elbow maintenance and so people are were a little bit concerned about him but you know Carrasco is the Mets uh fourth starter they they juggled the the rotation to get David Peterson earlier in there to get, put a lefty between all their right-handed starting pitchers but you know he's he's clearly the fourth starter on the team and I think as a fourth starter like you were saying about Peralta like if Carlos Carrasco is your fourth starter you're doing pretty well in terms of your rotation makeup um I actually think of all three matchups, this is the one that I think is the most of a toss-up. If you look at their numbers last year, I mean, Carrasco pitched a lot more innings than Peralta did, but Carrasco had a 3.97 ERA. Peralta had a 3.58 ERA. Um, you know, they were uh, Carrasco was worth uh, 1.2 uh, B-War. Peralta was worth 1.1 B-War. So really, really similar pitchers. Um, on Tuesday, it's a little bit of a different story. You get uh, Max Scherzer against Wade Miley. And, uh, you know, nothing against Wade Miley. He's a fine pitcher. He's not Max Scherzer. Scherzer kind of got hit around, though, on uh, opening day, no? Yeah, you know what it was? Uh, Buck Showalter has this uh, bad habit of keeping people in a game one inning too long. As as soon as he took over the Mets last year, you start to see this. And, you know, opening day is always an emotional day and all that. In the fifth, Scherzer started to look human. And he left him in for the sixth, and everything kind of blew up for him. Um, and to be fair, by, say, by saying blew up, he gave up a home run, and he still got out of the inning. So it wasn't like it was a total meltdown, but he got he got hit harder than you would expect Scherzer to get hit. Um, like I said, I like Wade Miley as a as a starter. Um, you know, he was he was relatively impressive last year. He had a three one six ERA. You know, but he um, he didn't pitch that much last year. Um, he made eight starts, I think I saw, uh, and most of those were because of a, most of those, um, most of the time off was due to a, a shoulder injuries. And so, whenever I hear shoulder injuries in starting pitchers, I get a little worried. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, I mean, I I kind of liked the Wade Miley signing when they when they pulled it off in the off season, just because we didn't really have like that veteran lefty starter. We have we have Aaron Ashby who's a lefty, but he's young. He he's kind of inexperienced. He's never really played like real. He I guess he has played real MLB baseball, but not in like high pressure situations where he's got to start like a lot of games in a season. And I don't know if Wade Miley's health is like as good as it used to be, but I feel like he used to pitch like a lot, like a lot of games. And if he could eat up games, especially as like our our second lefty with Lauer. I like that mix of the two lefties and the three righties in the starting rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a very useful piece if you can have one. Having two lefties is a luxury most teams don't have. 
uh, in their starting rotation. So that's that's very very interesting. Uh, and then the uh, the Wednesday matchup, Corbin Burns, who I think is the consensus uh, ace for the team, against David Peterson. Uh, Peterson was not supposed to even be on this team. Peterson was supposed to be starting the year in AAA, but Jose Quintana um, had a, an issue with his rib, and so Peterson is starting. Peterson lost the game on Friday night, but really did not look bad. He gave up um, a home run that wound up being the uh, the difference in the game, but it really wasn't a, a bad start. And I know Burns did not look great on opening day, but I, I mean, I think as a as a Brewers fan, you have to be pretty excited about who Burns is turning into. Yeah, I mean, Cor- Corbin Burns has proven kind of like Scherzer that he's elite and former Met Jacob Degrom. I feel like they're all kind of, kind of in that echelon of like top five Cy Young candidates and Verlander, I guess now too. You guys have Verlander, yeah. but yeah, he's he's definitely cemented himself in that mix of like the top five pitchers in baseball. Is there anything about his game that you think? Uh, folks who don't get to watch him every start maybe miss about him. Like, what is what is the most impressive part of his game? His cu- his cutter is incredible. Corbin Burns' cutter it, it should it should be he should have a plaque in Canton when he retires of just his cutter because it's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. It is there. There is a there is a real joy in being a baseball fan and having a pitcher on your team who has just like the unquestioned best X pitch in baseball, right? And like um, when DeGrom was at his best, DeGrom's slider was the best pitch in baseball, the best slider in baseball, hands down, you know? Um, so yeah, that's it's very fun to have that, to have that uh, designation for one of your own players. Um, so if you had to guess this three-game series, how do you think it's going to shake out? How many wins are the, are the uh, Brewers going to get? Uh, I'd like to say two, but I'd, I'm going to say one. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I don't think either team is going to sweep. I don't. I think it's going to be a 2-1. I, I like the Mets on Monday and Tuesday. I don't like the Mets' chances on Wednesday with Peterson versus Burns. Uh, but you never know. Like opening day shows that you know good pitchers can have bad starts or the offense cannot show up for a starting pitcher. So that, that wouldn't surprise me either way. I, yeah, I mean, and like you said earlier, that that Peralta Carrasco matchup is is a toss up. Honestly, I could see either team winning that game, but then the next two are pretty clear cut as to who the elite pitcher on the mound is. So yeah, yeah. Um, real quick before we go, how do you feel about the bullpen this year from Milwaukee? Um, not not as not as good as I did with Hater. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, Devin Williams is still incredible. And I think that's part of the reason why Hayter was was let go the way he was last year and traded. And the sad thing about that is that we we like we got four players from from Hayter and we only have one of them left. We know we didn't even keep them wow. this year, so it's like we traded him for literally Robert Gosser, who's who, who's a solid pitcher in our farm system. But we're going into this year with Matt Bush as our setup man who in Texas was pretty good, but then last year once we traded for him was giving up home runs left and right. So yeah, it's it is it is always interesting to see what happens when a bullpen arm comes over. Sometimes sometimes a guy gets a 
totally new lease on life with a new team midseason. But I find more often than not, the hot, the more highly touted the bullpen arm is that comes over in the trade, the more spectacularly they tend to fail. I mean, look at Hader last year. Hader is a great example of that. Like he came over as probably the the second best relief pitcher in baseball behind Edwin Diaz when the trade happened, and he certainly didn't have an end of the season the way Edwin Diaz had an end of the season. No, but now yeah. Edwin Diaz isn't going to be having a season. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks for reminding our listeners of that. I'm sure they all forgot that Edwin Diaz hurt his knee in the World Baseball Classic Hello. in the most like benign way. He wasn't even freaking out. He was. It was a pretty. Uh, just freak injury that happened. Wasn't, there. wasn't he just like jumping up and down, and, and not even jumping? He was kind of bouncing up and down, and then just <laughs> you know, tore his patella. It's you know, his patella tendon. Just uh, just historically bad luck in that way. But I will say, you know, um, the Mets did go out this year and build a bullpen. Regardless of that, they brought in David Roberts and they brought back Adam Adovino. They made a lot of really good small signings. Like last year, John Curtis, uh, who was with the Rays, had to have Tommy John surgery and was released. And they signed him to a two-year deal last year so that they could work with him on his recovery and then he'd be ready for this year. And Curtis has pitched twice already this season and uh, did not look good on opening day but looked excellent today. And uh, they traded for Brooks Raley, who's a very effective lefty. You know, they, they they really built a bullpen around Diaz. And so I think that they're going to miss Diaz this year, obviously. But I don't think the, I think the bullpen is still possibly better than last year's bullpen, even if you take the best pitcher out of it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that's a good thing. Well, uh, do you guys have a, a set schedule yet for your shows? So, so, so that if people are hearing this for the first time, they can check out your show? Yeah, show, uh, the, show, the show comes out on Mondays. Um, every Monday we'll be talking about the Brewers weekly. Um, yeah. So if you want to check us out, it'll be at crew talk. Yeah. For FSN or FFSN. Yeah. We'll, we'll be, we'll be sharing those episodes with everybody. Uh, make sure to check it out. We're, we're almost at all 30 MLB teams right now, which is awesome. So we'll be doing more of these previews across the board and, uh, yeah. Have a good series this week. Yeah. You too, man.